0: to another episode of the Codcast ZM podcast and we're recording straight out of Lusaka Zambia. So my name is Mukuma and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Cynthia. Cynthia say hi to everybody.
1: Hi Mukuma and uh, hello listeners. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, pretty excited to be back after some time being off and uh, looking forward to having a productive uh, episode.
0: Yeah, me too actually. So if you're listening to us for the very first time, please don't forget to listen to our previous episodes. I promise you they are really amazing. And when you do, uh, please give us feedback on how we can improve. Your feedback is always valuable to us. We always want to get better and better. So that will be amazing. And now that that's out of the way, Cynthia and I aren't alone today. We are joined by guests. We consider to be community leaders across many different spheres within the tech community here in Zambia. I will ask them to introduce themselves by telling us their name, what they do and what kind of hobbies they have. That this should be like in a 30-second like period. And I'll randomly start with
2: Gerald. Thank you, Kuma. Thank you for hosting me. Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Gerald Mawashe. I'm a software engineer and colleague for open source community Losaka. Uh, we've been have uh, had we've been running the community since 2019. Um, one of my hobbies uh, is basketball, and sometimes I love spending time in the gym. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, you
3: see.
4: Hi, um, Kuma. Hi, uh, Cynthia. Thanks for hosting me. Um, So my name uh, is Yasin Musayami, I'm a data scientist, Um, I lead uh, the Zambia AI community, Uh, the community has been in existence uh, from 2018, Uh, my hobby is mostly watching football, thanks.
0: Pendo, your turn.
5: Hi, uh, very excited to be part of uh, today's recording. Uh, Pendo Manjale, and uh, I am a community leader. Um, specifically, I lead the community, uh, the developer circles, Lusaka community. And um, on the sideline, I'm uh, working on um, DigiClan, That's a community that's centered around um, educating on uh, digital-centered uh, uh, issues and matters. And you'll be hearing it about. You'll be hearing more about it. Um, my hobbies. Uh, I think I've been more into fitness and uh, nature lately. So I think I'd like to consider myself as uh, centered around uh, fitness and um, wellness.
0: Hey Joshua, you can go next.
3: <laughs> sure. Then um, okay. I would say my name is Joshua Shpilet. I'm a software developer that works for an organization for an organization called Edge uh, Illusion. Uh, Apart from everybody who is a community leader, yeah. Uh, Trying to get it also into that space, but apart from that, write code every day. And my hope is surprisingly uh, part of uh, something that I've tried to take on maybe this year, apart from maybe writing, is maybe trying to do more of the cooking and more baking. So, yeah. It's so not all the day you get to write code and everything like that. So, why not try to experience something different, whether it's me trying to cook or me trying to bake or something like that? And then, apart from what Penda had mentioned, so also enjoying nature. So, I love traveling So and seeing new places. I think that's
2: all
0: that's for a, me. That's amazing. And I think, to be fair, uh, Cynthia and I will talk about our hobbies as well. But before I get there, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that cooking and baking are your hobbies. Like I, I, I know how to bake, right? Like I've been baking for years and, um, Lately, I've settled into baking only one kind of thing. So I, I'll definitely hit you up right after this, and then we can have a side chat around uh, what we have in common in terms of baking. So that's something interesting that I actually like. Um, so my hobbies have evolved over the years. I think, I think, Cynthia, from last year, my hobbies have changed. If you haven't asked me what my hobbies are this year, Cynthia, then uh, you you don't know who I am as a person anymore. So we need to reacquaint ourselves in that sphere. So lately, like my oh. hobbies are... Uh, <laughs>
1: It's your posts. I know what you've been doing.
0: (laughs) What have I been doing, Cynthia?
1: Well, I've been seeing a lot for camping stuff, nature-related stuff now. I got a hit. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, then at least I'm, uh, I'm showing a little bit of myself out there, just for people who are trying to figure out what I'm doing these days. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm embracing more of the outdoor experience. Um, of course, I am a very outdoorsy person, regardless. But I think I spent a lot of time outdoors, uh, maybe at different restaurants or bars or clubs or anything like that. But now, starting to embrace uh, pretty much nature. And then taking that uh, experience into nature as well, so I think that's what I enjoy now. Cocktails and drinks is definitely a a big hobby of mine now. I make a lot of that these days. I like to experiment in that area. Uh, You know, we talk about how we should always try something new, but we end always end up trying something new in, in either the coding space or something in tech. So it was quite refreshing for me to sort of reinvent myself and find something that's outside of what I do on a daily basis. You know. So that's pretty much what my hobbies are. Cynthia?
2: Um,
1: well, I think we, we we all eventually grow, right? If you stop growing, then that should be risky <laughs> entirely. So my my hobbies have, have changed as well. I think the last time we were doing an episode, I wasn't so much into doing... Um, health routines so i've been dieting i've been watching what i eat and i've also been going to the gym to exercise so which is quite a new aspect in in my lifestyle now the cooking i'm I'm still cooking well i don't know whether that is a hobby though because sometimes it feels like it's it's a you know prerequisite (laughs) somehow it's needed of me um yeah, I think that really that's about it. I want to revamp my um, my community work because uh, I have been on the law of late because I've been busy with work. So I'm trying to revamp that as well. And not just the tech community, but also looking at the vulnerable people in the community. So I've recently joined a group called Building Futures where they go into rural areas, they see any area that has uh, a school which is of a distance, like five kilometers and more from a nearest village, and we we put monies together and we actually go to build with the community members, Um, and we make sure that we build at least two or three blocks of classrooms, and if we get more funding, we actually extend. So I think so far I'm enjoying that, knowing that I'm helping people out there.
2: Yeah.
0: That's interesting um n- n- now I'm saying for but that I'm spending all my money on alcohol, but i will uh, I just let me know what I can do to help Cynthia
1: I shall definitely I shall definitely be reaching out
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay uh without further ado, do you wanna lead us into our session today?
1: yeah of course uh, so today we actually had a lovely discussion considering uh next week we'll be having the national um Is it STEM or is it just Technology Week? Uh, Actually, it's National Technology Week. So we felt the need to actually just look at how the ecosystem is doing in Zambia in terms of uh, technology, whether it's software development, whether it's AI, whether it's data science, and hence uh, inviting your lovely guests who are coming from the different communities and uh, we just really wanted to just have the chat on in terms of like what has been happening. Well, what is the current state of the different communities you are leading or you're you're you part of? So I don't know who would like to take us first. Uh, can we do a LA ladies first this time? Maybe Pendo, would you like maybe to just give us a few insights on like the current state of the community you're part of or you're leading and how uh, maybe even COVID has sort of affected it? Uh,
5: yes. Uh, thank you, Cynthia. Uh, very interesting question, actually. And um, I think it's one question that uh, um, we kept uh, reflecting on and um, trying to figure out how um the state this unprecedented pandemic has caused a shift that we were pretty much unprepared for i think we've, we've been having conversations even in the before covid of how um uh, technology, if technology can replace uh, human physical connection. And I remember, I think, Cynthia, if we were together, I think in one of the conferences that uh, summits that we attended in um, at Facebook, there was, uh, I think we had a session with um, different leads speaking to um, how can technology replace human connection? Well, I think the answer is uh, twofold. I think from the experience that we've had with the pandemic is uh, yes and no. And um Well, we can't entirely eliminate that human connection. And one of the challenges that we've had um, as a community is um, there's the connection, but it's just, I know, Cynthia, it's, I think, from the physical meetups that would have those, a lot of interactions, networking, and the connection would be you have one meetup you meet with someone you connect and you figure out so much and learn so much about them but then this time around it's like we have to entirely rely on um facebook we have to entirely rely on virtual spaces and it takes time for people to acquaint and be able to work and collaborate together i think for the physical meetups that we used to have would have um, well it didn't have to be every day but at least there was that level of acquaintance that would have um with a number of people and I think I've had so many people that I've connected with and have gone beyond just being um, meetup buddies but also been able to connect with them in the industry and um, in other spaces and it's created a long-lasting relationship but then we're still trying to figure out how can we bring that sort of connection virtually so um, uh, those are some of the challenges but on the uh, advantages of it is that we've been able to connect with people beyond our own physical reach and like for meetups we've had speakers who've been able to uh, we've been able to invite from different countries from different parts of zambia and we've also been able to integrate people from different parts of the country to join our spaces but before that before covid it was a challenge because all our meetups were physical um as you would know and um would only cover lusaka people so and also inviting speakers from other countries would be a cost uh, we, we we did have in cases where I would invite uh, speakers from other. I mean, I would invite guests from other countries to come and share about technology, about what they're doing for their communities, and it would cost us. But then now it's so easy because the cost has been eliminated. Also, the time effect, and we're able to reach out to more people. So it's um, a two-fold, but we're still trying to get there. And I think it's um, it's a learning process. So. Yeah, um, maybe jo- Joshua could also share um, about their community. But uh, I think for developer circle community, these are some of the challenges and some of the observations that um, have been made as we've been traversing the COVID pandemic.
1: Having heard that, would like to also hear from uh, Yasin. Yasin, in terms of, I know you are mostly in the AI community. What are some of the challenges that you have faced during this COVID era, and are there any opportunities that have opened up, or opportunities have been hard to come by?
4: Okay, so thanks very much, uh, Cynthia. Um, so, our uh, Aside, uh, aside from me just leading the Zambian AI community, I'm also the Zindi ambassador uh, here in Zambia and uh, the Deep Learning Indaba uh, uh, coordinator here. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I think these the Deep Learning Indaba and the uh, uh, and Zindi have been trying to onboard. Uh, uh, the Zambian community uh, into the various uh, programs that uh, they're offering. Uh, Cynthia, you'd uh, I think we've been part of a number of uh, uh, trips that we've undertaken uh, that we sponsored or that were hosted, organized by the Deep Learning in Dava. I think we're together in yeah. Stellenbosch. I'm not sure if we're together in Kenya, but then I know we were together with the likes of Francis and and, and them. And I think that uh, provided an opportunity for us to. Um, to interact with uh, people outside the Zambian community, I, I think one one challenge that is there is um, I, I I don't know. I stand to be corrected, but I feel there's no much uh, innovation here in Zambia. Innovation in in the sense of um, there isn't much research that's going on, and it's something that I'll touch on uh, later on. But then you'd be amused or amazed. Uh, to learn about the things that people are doing out there. So exposing uh, our, our members of the community to uh, such gatherings, really, um, it makes them punch above their weight, you know, uh, because once we come back here, uh, you feel you're doing the most compared to others. But then you go there, you f- you see yourself as not doing uh, anything, you know, because uh, I think we've got the cream de la cream of, of Africa in terms of AI, in terms of data science. So I think uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has robbed us of that opportunity. I think in the last two years or so, we've not had the deep learning in Dara. Uh, So because of that, we've not been exposed to what uh, people are doing out there. And like they say, you know, the only thing with technology that does not change is that it is always changing. So such platforms gave us an opportunity to to get to see what uh, latest advancements that uh, people are working on. Of course, uh, that has been replaced with uh, uh, virtual meetups. But well, um, I think the physical meetups cannot uh, be uh, substituted. Of course, I would have mentioned some of the things that uh, Pendo di- did touch on. But then I'll save some time. Uh, I'll just mention. I'll talk about things that have not been spoken about. Then with regards to Zindi, uh, we've 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 tried to we've been wanting to come up with. With some sort of roadshows of some sort. So um, again, uh in universities, because uh, I think things like data science, artificial intelligence, they're, th- they're still in their infancy, uh, they're still developing. So mostly that research level. Uh so it's either you're researching or trying out what people have uh have, have kind of uh produced uh but then we've not seen this happening at uh, in most of our universities uh um i'm doing my postgraduate studies at the university of zambia obviously there is some uh there is some AI that we're doing and stuff, but then it cannot be compared to, uh, what other countries are doing, uh, in South Africa, in, across, across, the, 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 the continent. Uh, so we've been wanting to do some sort of roadshows where we could, um, uh, it could be some sort of like aware, awareness raising because, uh, if you look at our community at the moment, it's still it's still in its early stages. Um, uh, people are just fascinated about the buzzwords, the AI, the machine learning, but they they don't really understand uh, what it is like to be a data scientist, what it is like to be uh, an AI engineer. Um, Casing point is uh, okay. We're talking about okay, being uh, data scientists, being data engineers, and stuff. But if you had to count how many datasets we as uh, Zambians have managed to generate at the moment, uh, you know we can barely count any. So. This is this is where uh, the problem is, and uh, because of this COVID pandemic, we've not been able to have these roadshows, because through these roadshows, we're hoping to kind of do some sort of aware- uh, awareness and then possibly come up with some sort of communities. So by having these communities, then uh, we would have had like student ambassadors in the universities. And then obviously, uh, when we organize things like the deep learning in Dava, it's 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 a platform where we um, they get to present what they've been doing in their communities and also. Uh, present some of the challenges and ways in which uh the community can uh, uh can be developed how we can expand the, the the community but that has not happened because of the covid-19 because also universities themselves have restricted us you know or people meeting in these universities so i cannot go to university any university and uh say okay we want to have this uh meetup it can only be done uh, online the university of zambia just i think is it uh One or two weeks ago, that's when they kind of opened up uh, classes to uh, to physical meetup but uh, it's, it's 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 been uh virtual so these are some of the uh challenges that the community that uh, uh, that that's the covid pandemic sorry has has kind of uh come with but then obviously there are some advantages like you know uh pendo alluded you know uh i think even you would you'd, uh, you'd uh, agree we've had challenges is, you know, having speakers, you know, uh, speak at some of these events. Or um, if it's not that, then we have to use uh, our routine speakers, which sometimes events then become kind of monotonous. But then through this pandemic, at least we're able to bring in people that uh outside Zambia. So there's some mix of variety. And obviously, uh, the community over the last two years uh just before okay, the, uh, the pandemic uh, uh, came about, uh, we're only saving mostly people uh, within uh, Lusaka, but then obviously through this, we're able to save people outside uh, outside La Lusaka and even others that are even outside uh, Zambia. So these are some of the advantages that the pandemic has come with. So yeah, I think I'll end uh, here for now.
1: Yeah, it's it's really fascinating hearing how the different communities have had like different um, challenges. Pendo spoke about you know the the connection that comes with with in person meetups and how it is challenging to bring in that type of connection online. And I'm hearing uh, from you, Yasin, it's it's on the schools, you know, the institutions or the partners that you have to reach out to. They are not really. Uh, yet full-time physical or in-person kind of um, operations. They're still doing remote mostly. So I don't understand the, the, the agony that might be coming along with it. Gerald. Um, what are some of the things that you you feel has been happening in the in the community that you're you're, you're part of like is there anything um you can relate to to what the the that is Yasin and pendo have said are there any other unique challenges or opportunities that you have seen as a community
2: uh thank you and Cynthia.
0: And, and, and just before you jump in i'd like to expand that question also um, even from the perspective of you being a member of other communities, because it's not just about the communities that we lead, but also the ones that we are part of. Um, what challenges are there uh, from that perspective, as from from that perspective as well, and how has COVID affected them? Sorry, I I I, I, I jumped in.
2: Uh, it's all right. Uh, thank you so much, Kuma. Uh, so uh, I think I share similar sentiments with the previous speakers. Um, on my end, I think. Generally, the, the dev community has been impressive. On my end, um, I, I'd like to see, I'd like to say like um, there's been growth in terms of uh, uh, talent. Uh, we've, we've seen uh, people get into uh, specific uh, careers of, of, of software engineering. Um, people concentrate, let's say, on data science, people uh, concentrate on particular fields such as backend development only and they've been able to thrive uh, in that area. And I think for me, it's an achievement. Um, and I've also seen a number of developers uh, get into um, uh, startups that are really doing fine, that are doing the most. And I think uh, that's a good sign that we're making some uh, some progress as, um, as a dev community in general. Um, and I think s- some of the challenges that I would, I would, I would mention with the, the, the dev community as uh, in general, is the fact that I think we haven't done much in, you know, advertising uh, ourselves, like putting out the work that we do, uh, as compared to other, let's say, African countries. I think more um, more articles have to be written, but by, by our developers, I think um, more we, we should see more YouTube channels be opened uh, by by the Zambian um, developers and and creators. Uh, Coming to my community, um, I think on our end, COVID has also uh, affected us, uh, mainly because we we couldn't do physical meetups anymore. Um, Yeah, but the good thing is that once we we went remote, uh, we were able to have a wider coverage. Uh, We could see people from outside the country join our meetups. We could uh, host speakers from uh, different parts of the world, uh, and I think that's um, that, 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 that's a plus on our end. Um, so yeah, it, it's 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 around those lines.
1: Mukuma, um, would you like to direct the question to Joshua? He's <laughs> <You've> been quiet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Joshua. Um, I guess it's the same question that I just asked Gerald. I just wanted to know um, uh, what your perspective is in terms of how uh, being part of the community has affected your work, and how COVID has uh, uh, created or uh, what COVID has, how COVID has affected you and the way you interact with communities or run communities.
3: Uh, well, I would say, from my perspective, it's more where. Maybe in the past, maybe whether it's before COVID had happened, we had these uh, meetings and everything. So not virtual meetings where people actually came to these meetups and had different perspectives. So yeah, different people that were you know maybe into data science, people were into maybe software development and maybe others into networking and uh, maybe creating apps, whether it's Android or iOS apps. I know during this period of... Covid, uh, we've had maybe a few numbers of these, uh, would I say, environments or these spaces where people actually physically meet and everything like that. But you know, as much as well as Jasine said and uh, Jared has said, with regards towards this whole period of all COVID and everything. I think that didn't just limit to having a physical event, whether it's in Lusaka and everything like that. You don't need to be like, oh, okay, there's a physical event in Lusaka and I'm in Dola I have to be in Lusaka because I want to attend this meeting. But during this period of COVID, it now made it like, would I say a remote or virtual event? So anyone else could be able to access this information, whether it's somebody who's in Dola, somebody who's in Cobble Belt or somebody who's in Livingstone, and you're not just limited to the number of audience that are within the area, Lusaka. Then secondly, it's also now, okay, fine as well. We have our virtual environment of where people can be able to, you know, meet up and everything. It's now you as a developer, as much as well, you've had the guest speaker or you've had the speaker or you've interacted with different people and everything. What do you get to do now? Like, do you... Just listen to that event and that's done? No, but it's not up to the community leads, you know, to be able to all the time, maybe just to present or maybe write articles or anything like that. You as an individual and you can be able to, whether it's you writing code or you writing articles or you write, you presenting the next one, you know, it kind of helps you out as an individual like this. So, like what Gerald had said, we you know, you have people that are part of a community and everything like that. And I'm not sure if you said where a few people are actually getting to, you know, got the way, where to write articles and everything like that. So I can give an example of myself. as part of a, of different communities and the, what I thought was that, okay, it's good we have these community leads that are there. And I may not be as good as being the guy on YouTube and everything like that, but how best can I get to serve my community and everything like that? We've been hit with this COVID uh, pandemic and everything like this, and we cannot meet physically. How best can I maybe do something else? Maybe I can use writing, and which I've been doing for the past like almost wait three weeks or so. And it's kind of like helping like me as an individual being able just to share what I've been learning and then share it with other people there. And it's kind of I don't know if it helps other people, whether it's within the community or outside the community and let people know that, you know, we as a community we're just you not know, just hindered because we cannot meet physically, but we can do it virtually and we can also get to produce different uh uh when i say content apart from just presenting and everything like that but we can also get to whether i share articles or whether it's somebody doing a youtube video and everything like that it just doesn't just stop like right there and then maybe if i can go back <laughs> i know i've gone back uh one of the points that uh yes had mentioned with regarding thoughts, innovation and everything like that i will say from a general perspective it's more I would say it's not as fast as it, or I don't want to say it's slow or it's not happening. There's no innovation in Zambia because look at different companies, whether uh, different uh, countries like whether it's Kenya, Nigeria, they're having a lot of fintechs and everything like that. And you, as a community or part of a community, you know, we get to see these different uh, technologies being produced out there. So you know. As much as what well, we can say, it's slowing. Well, it hasn't happened in Zambia or there's no innovation, but I believe that actually are people out there, we haven't yet just met them. Whether, I know local Zambians and everything, it's just that like very few of them get to share what they're actually doing, which is, I don't know why they don't do that, but it's like now we're opening our eyes towards these different opportunities that are there. And it may not be like overnight, yes, we have an innovation, you know, or we have we come up with a you know better solution or something like that but it's within us it takes us from maybe point a to point b you know you know the more we get to do these things or the more we get to see all these different things that are happening all these different technologies that are happening within uh Zambia, within nigeria or within kenya and even other western countries or eastern countries you know how best can we you now so uh start as Zambians, you know, trying to emulate what they have done, and then now be able to, you know, replicate that, you know, from there. I don't know if I've said
5: that. I
3: don't
1: know. I'm saying that was a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to add <laughs> the thing
4: that I just needed. Okay. All right, so um, first thing also, uh, I think in, ad- in addition to what uh, Joshua just submitted again, I think uh, uh, COVID has also, from a, uh, from a community member perspective now, uh, I think uh, it has uh, presented us with avenues to, I think, uh, come out of our comfort zone and then obviously uh, go out into the world and then uh, explore and try out different things. Uh, uh, identify, uh, so normally people are just, uh, uh, comfortable with what they had already. But at the moment, um, you're not exposed to these great tutorials because everything is now online. So it has made people now to kind of take advantage of these things and wanting to learn more. So it's up to uh, an individual because then we can do this much. But I think uh, if you look at uh, us, uh, at our, uh, if you look at our community, uh, the Zami and I community, we've tried to share uh, tutorials we like to tell, uh lectures uh, uh events where they're great speakers so from that if it's so it's dependent on one if on one like uh, how how much do they want to learn if they really want to learn then obviously they would uh, follow those links and then obviously go and learn and even as community leads also it's also kind of like uh pushed that uh, pushed us out of the comfort zone because normally there's that comfort like okay i'm the community lead and then there's no need for me to grow but then you have to compare yourself uh with other communities like what they're doing and then you'd want to also uh, be like them. And then that obviously you to even put in uh, a bit more. Then when I spoke about innovation, uh, mostly when I when I talk about stuff, mostly it's in relation to these emerging technologies and how uh, we are making use uh, of of them. Um, this uh, I just given an example of how. Uh, Uh, Just recently, one of uh, some companies in South Africa that uh, we're doing stuff with, they were were launching uh, a model called the GPS, uh, ESG GPS model, which is is just used to... which is used to uh, determine how sustainable a company is based on a number of things. You know, you look at issues to do with the environment, issues to do with governance, uh, and then issues to do with the social aspect and this 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 model is entirely dependent on 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 uh, on uh, on ai if you look at bring it back home um, i can hardly think of any uh, successful applications of uh, of 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 ai data science and the likes and when we, when we have these, our, uh, our annual uh, deep learning endeavor meetups, normally there's this call for people to come and showcase their innovations, mostly in, in that space. And we hardly uh, receive, you know, uh, applications. And it is based on that that I'm saying um, there isn't much. I could be wrong, but then we've tried in the past, three years that we've organized the event, and uh, we've not exceeded uh, 10. It's been less than 10. So based on that, I'd say there isn't much uh, that we're doing in terms of, like, you know, taking advantage of this machine learning, AI, and, uh, and, uh, and the likes compared to other countries. When there's just a call, there are tons and tons of applications. Um, Cynthia has got the habit of, you know, sending me these um, these uh, emails that she receives, uh, call for applications, uh, call for proposals, uh, these, uh, expression of interest where, well, yes, uh, that are, that are being sent out, you know, for African communities to submit the innovations, uh, apply for these funds basically. And I don't know, I don't think there are any Zambians that do apply for these funds. So again, that's say something that, okay, in as much as yes, we can be on innovating maybe, but then our innovations uh might not be good enough to compete at uh, at uh, at continental uh level so this is where i think uh we need we need to begin uh uh putting uh focus on like how can we begin uh, coming up with innovations that can compete at, uh, at, at 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 continental level if somebody from kenya and somebody from zambia apply uh, I'm confident that yes, that person from Zambia that applied is going to get those funds. Uh, mostly, it's just been people from Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa that have been benefiting from uh, these resources. But then, when uh, when uh, are people going to benefit from? And funny enough, you know, people that have been organizations that have been sp- uh, funding these organizations. Yeah, it's uh, the GIZ, uh, the UN. These organizations that are already here. So. Um, if if there are no Zambians that uh, are taking up this challenge, even these missions here, I don't think they'll be soliciting uh, for such funds, so that then we can also do these innovations locally here from their head office. So I think we need to begin uh, thinking outside Zambia. Like if you are innovating, try to innovate uh, or come up with innovations that you know are challenging uh, innovations. Outside Zambia, I think
0: that's what I wanted to submit. And uh, to be honest, if I, if I'm going to tap into what everybody has just said, especially you, Yasin at this moment, I think we have to go a step further. We have to go a step deeper. I know Pendo and I were at uh, at uh, at a session with other uh, uh, other other friends of ours within the community who expressed very similar sentiments. I think it goes beyond. Um, looking for funding or being able to participate in competitions. I think going back to the beginning, it, 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 it's right at the very point of entry. How many people are we actually onboarding? How many people are coming into the spaces that we are that, that we are occupying at the moment? How many of the current members uh we have in our communities are we engaging? Are we tracking? Are we uh helping through the journey of getting better? Because sometimes I I I feel like um stepping outside of the box needs uh someone to show you that there's something outside of the box and it's nothing profound it's nothing in, in 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 that line obviously but I'm just trying to figure out whether we actually know uh from the from the very start uh how many people are actually onboarding in your community I seen you say you have less than 10 submissions every year uh how many do you, do you have an influx of members every year and then maybe the problem is uh your members aren't doing enough or I don't know enough or something like that. I don't know if you get where I'm going with this.
4: Uh, okay, good question. So we've been tracking. Uh, I think 2018, uh, we had like around 60 members. 2019, we had around, uh, that's attendees. 2020, we had somewhere up, uh, over 100 2021 we did not this 2022 uh it was virtual we had like close to 200 applications uh so the number has been going up but then normally it's different people um and and, and this is what saddens me because mostly when people apply or oh, uh, uh, people want to attend these events it's just uh just to see what's happening uh they don't have they don't come to attend those events with a clear goal uh so again as community leads i think we should begin working in uh, university so that then um from the onset um computer science students have like they begin identifying which path or which route they want to take because mostly uh, it's uh, whatever comes their way, then they take that up. So I'm graduating. I don't know whether I want to go into the field of data science, uh, software engineering, and uh, networking, or uh, an IT guy. I don't know. Whatever just comes my way, it's that. I think that's where the problem is. If we began uh, from the university tracking, you know, and, you know, Speaking to these um, uh, students mostly, so that then they can begin, you know, focusing on that route. Uh, so, if if we're to take that route, then obviously. Each, each endeavor, uh, in in the case of data science, uh, they would have a go, you know, like, okay, so at this endeavor, maybe I'd want to present this my work. You know, last year, I, j- I was just attending just to see what people are doing. This year, I want to present uh, some work. Uh, this work that I've presented, obviously I present and obviously get some feedback. We've got this, uh, the Continental Deep Learning endeavor that happens. Uh, we've got the new rips that happens. So after you've gotten feedback, then try to push above your weight, and then try to check. Okay, can I apply at this uh, at a continental level, global level, and that's I and mean, that's how you grow as a, as an individual. Um just two days ago we had uh there was this UN uh meeting where we had various youths you know presenting their innovations and In the outcry I was like no funding, this, this. And i just spoken about funding. Right now, as we speak, I think there's a call with something called the Lacuna Fund where they try uh they're trying to encourage uh low-resourced uh communities to to kind of you know generate their own um uh, language models or language data sets. <sighs> Is there any that has applied? I doubt. So it starts from the uh, university, begin uh, coming up with prototypes, pet projects, uh, just generating the simple data sets. And then over the years, you're growing that project. Come fourth year, it's something that you are presenting, you're happy with it. You're going into industry, you're going into industry saying, Okay, me, I graduated as a data science, and I'm going to look for work as a data scientist. Even mm-hmm. when you decide to do your postgraduate uh, studies, you know that I'm going into this space to uh, specialize. Because it's if you're going to do your master's, for instance, you're going to master. Uh, data science, for instance. But then, what's happening is uh, whatever comes my way, uh, I go with that. And and I think that's where uh, the problem is. Um, universities, uh, just in neighbouring South Africa, uh, at first year level already, uh, we we have students that are being exposed to things like AI. Not even at university, at um, at uh, at uh, high school level. At uh, primary school level, uh, even myself, you know, part of what I do is I teach technology at. I'm not teaching at public schools. I'm teaching at private schools. I teach. I teach at uh, AISL, I teach at uh, the leaks. I'm teaching technology, uh, drone technology. I'm teaching AI and 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 the like. So those. These kids grow up, you know, knowing some of these uh, emerging technologies. And it's easy for them to say, okay, I'm going to university and I'm just going to study this. It's sad that when we talk about ICT here in Zambia, it's just mostly to do with, you know, switching on and off a computer. And that's where the problem uh, begins. You know, uh, things like, you know, uh, you know, things like the uh, typing code like Hello World and stuff, those things should be left to uh, high school and primary, uh, secondary. Let's let us focus on now. People begin doing great things because, like we've said, you know, pre- COVID has presented us with uh, uh, numerous opportunities. Why should I go to university to go and learn about how to code the for loop, for instance? When I can learn that from YouTube, I had one guy from the community who was saying, "Yasin, there's this guy, uh, he's 14 years, and he's, you know, he's a ninja in Python. He can do amazing stuff." I was like, "Wow!" And obviously, you'd agree that that guy is not. University. So, do you want that guy to go university to spend four years learning how to uh just write hello out or just learn a follow up? They can do amazing things. And that's where the problem is. Uh
0: Pendo, did you have something
5: you wanted to say? Uh oh yes, are we proceeding to the next uh the next question, or maybe I could just contribute? But I was um my contribution was actually in line with uh uh what uh, Yasin said, but I was also going to track back a little bit. Um in that, uh, yes, I think I totally agree with you, saying there's a lot of, uh, there's a gap in uh, terms of skills and also how um, that gap we fulfill, like there's a lot to learn and there's a lot, there's a gap that needs to be filled, especially in these emerging technologies and things that are the future that's blocked, you think, look at blockchain, you look at data science, you look at um, machine learning and AI and um, we're still in a certain bubble that's um, within our comfort and be, within what our, our confines in terms of technology. But just to take a step back again, um, um, well, I, I would have loved to speak to this earlier, but I think it's still okay to speak to it. I think in terms of um, the challenges that the communities are facing, I think I would have spoken about this earlier, is um, I think for, if we look at it from a more, uh, if we come back home to Zambia, we say Africa, Zambia. I think internet has is really um, one challenge that um, I think all of us here cannot really um, pay a deaf ear to. Um, we our communities are marginalised. We have we're not only reach, trying to reach out to people that are already established. And then I, I think in Zambia, established if you, if you have a laptop and you have access to good internet, I think you are within a certain bracket atop top minority, but then the majority, I think for myself, speaking for myself, I think I only had a laptop when I got into university. And I think at that point I was advantaged, but then we have people in the communities who are trying to reach out to and connect who, even though they have access to a laptop, they don't have access to internet because internet is, uh, we might say it's not very expensive, but we're looking at it from, um, the, uh, we're looking at it from within our confines, within our circles, because we can actually afford internet. But how do we include those people who are not connected? How do we include those people who do not have the same privilege as us? I think from the community perspective, um, would have um, people that would come for meetups. They don't have a laptop, but they're able to in- interact and also share a laptop with uh, the person next to them. At the same time, you're building that interest and you're building that passion. So it's out of that interest that even as they keep attending these meetups, they're able to um, find some, a niche that uh, within the space of technology. But then if we keep, I think we've been speaking about how do we connect, how do we fully go remote? How do we full go, fully go virtual in terms of meetups? But we also I'm meeting those communities that, those part, people that are part of our communities who do not have the same privileges as us. So I think those are some of the conversations, I think in as much as we are thinking of going virtual as communities due to the pandemic, we also need to look at how do we ensure that everyone is included and not just look at the minority and, th- and those are those who can actually afford internet and have um, their personal uh, laptops.
0: Okay, um, I think we've 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 spoken a lot about the impact, and I think to be honest, we've we've covered a lot of the 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 next questions as we've been responding as well in terms of what opp- opportunities have 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 come into the space and what challenges we've all faced in the space. Uh, I'm I'm just looking at what like what are we all looking forward to. Uh, and I know we spoke about this pre-recording, especially with the fact that we now have a Ministry of Science and Technology. Like, what are we looking forward to as we step into this new era? You know, we just had our elections in August, and we had a change of government, and it, obviously, it's, it's 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 a drastic change from what we had before. So, what are we all looking forward to? Yeah, and uh, I left I guess I left it open. So, Joshua, maybe you can okay. start.
3: Sure thing. Uh, we will start. Uh, what I'm looking forward to, maybe something to what, uh, not Pendo, but yes, in admission, with the guidance towards, you know, uh, uh, not just uh, whether it's learning how to code and everything, and you're going to university and you have that opportunity, like Pendo said, where you are able to, whether you are first year, second year, you know, you, you have that laptop and you are able to do that. But I think, I would say, you know, it would also be good that you have, I think Cynthia had mentioned in the uh, beginning that next week is STEM work and everything like that. And I've had an opportunity, maybe I would say during my time as a developer, uh, where I was able to, I think, where we had the code base and uh, where we were able to do Scratch. I think most people are familiar with Scratch and it's a simple program you know it teaches people on how to use whether it's follow-up or if statements or all these other lingos within our programming languages and everything like this so it will also be good uh where you have an opportunity where you're not just only focusing on the guys that are university but it also starts from the kids that are within high school because how many of us or yeah, let me just say how many of us had somebody from uh, what we in high school who was in computer science and say, you know, come give a talk and everything like that. Or maybe share their experience or maybe their knowledge and say, guys, oh, I'm a computer scientist and this is what I've done during this period and this is what I'm doing and everything like that. It's different where we have usually see, oh, there's a doctor no offense to doctors or lawyers and everything like that. You know, they give their talks and everything like that and encourage people like that. But how many people get to encourage uh, the young kids that are within high school? And those are the most of the people that they get to, or should I say the people that they get to encourage are maybe within computer science, whether they're a software developer, whether they're doing networking, whether they're doing something like that, you know, We, uh, as much as well, the community is good and everything like that. And, but I feel it also starts from the kids that are within high school. Most of us, we go to high school and everything like that. We learn, oh no, what do you want to become? No, I want to become a doctor. I want to become an engineer. I want to become a lawyer. But very few people within our Zambia, I think they are now, but very few people or very few students get to... You know, say that I would like to be going to go into computer science and everything like that, and it's yeah. If there's that gap within that skill set and say, oh, you know, we don't get to communicate, uh, what's you know, what computer science and everything like that, and then you end up having like what you and said, you know, there's this guy who's been learning on on YouTube on how to become, oh, who's a uh, ninja in uh, programming and everything. I don't know if it's Python or something like that, but, you know, he's not even in college and everything like that, but it was his interest, right? But if more of us get have that opportunity and say, okay, you as an individual, you get to share, okay, this is what I get to do. And... You know, this is computer science. Computer science is not just about numbers and everything, but there's also a fun aspect to it. You know, you can even throw in maybe a bit of introduction and say, oh, you know, within computer science, you know, you've the terms, you know, machine learning or you've what AI is, you know. Okay, be not say, okay, machine learning is something like this, but you can give an example. You know, this is most kids are aware of what Facebook is or what WhatsApp or what Instagram, you know within your application of Instagram or within your application of Facebook, you know, they use this certain parts, to use machine learning, you know, you know, when you're maybe looking for a suggestion or, you know, when something pops up, you know, there's this broad aspect towards it. And the more we get to teach, I think maybe if we also get to focus on the kids that are within maybe high school like that, we will have maybe more Let's say more computer scientists when they get to graduate from university like that. Because they will know, okay, there's computer science in high school. Maybe this is something that I would want to do. Okay, okay. Uh, I get into college. Maybe I may, yes, we learn the follow-up and everything like that. Maybe it's also good that, you know, you have a good fundamentals of of it within college and everything like that. But before you get to graduate, you have an idea of what you'd want to Focus or study on, you know, whether it's you being a software developer, being you, uh, somebody who's doing it into data science, somebody who's doing it into networking, or somebody who's doing it into security, you know. So it, I think it all starts just maybe from whether it's in high school and everything like that. Given that opportunity, be able to share these different technologies, which are not complicated. Some which I know, okay, yes, we've introduced Scratch. I think there are also other applications that would be also good to introduce these young people to it. And then by the time they get into university and everything like that, you know, phew, whoa, they can do even way better things than some of us or maybe myself, you know? So that's my perspective towards that.
2: Uh, Gerald? Uh, thanks, Koma. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a lot that we uh, we expect from uh, policymakers, um, uh, specifically the Ministry of Science and Technology. Um, I think one aspect I would I'd like to talk about, I think, is sort of innovation programs or expos. Um, I think I, I think there's one uh, that Zikta does, but I think it 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 could be um, improved uh, in as far as funding is concerned, as well as uh, mentorship. Um, yeah, I think such such you know uh, such programs should be made bigger uh, going forward. Um, and I think some of the uh, points I wanted to talk about have been alluded to. Uh, issues, issues to do with you know teaching programming early on um, in, in, in schools. Um, I think that that will make a difference going forward because you find that you have people graduating from universities and when they come into the industry, you basically have to teach them everything. So um, I think in university we, we should see um, you know lectures teaching about the latest techno- technologies because right now you find um, universities still teach the old old technologies that you know the industries uh, the industry is not is not using. So I think universities need to catch up uh, in as far as the latest technology uh, on, on on the market. Um, yeah, uh, that would be my 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 contribution to that.
0: You know, it's interesting that you talk about policy. uh Cynthia, what did you think about the budget that was announced this week? Uh, and how do you think that affects uh, the technology space? Did you have a look at it? did you did you listen in? Maybe that should have been the first question I asked.
1: Yeah, well, I, I haven't had... So I found it right in the middle when when they were almost done. Uh, but I have just gotten a hold of the speech itself and uh, some highlights. So I'm yet to just sit down and really go through so that I can give a proper analysis on my end. Uh, so I don't think right now I'm in a position to really say. But from what people are saying so far, it seems they have really... <clears throat> They have really they did really put in some research and they've uh they did a proper work at really structuring it up and allocation of the money is the way they've allocated so yeah i I think i i I really need time to just sit down and see how it affects our area specifically, uh, because I think there was this time um, I'm part of the group for the ICT Association of Zambia, there's a WhatsApp group there, and I think someone had, had posted a document that was showing the the average pricing for some of the IT devices and just internet as well, and tools that we need to use are in this arena, right? And some of the, the pricing was quite high, and I think that is what feeds back now to what Pendo touched on a bit to say there. Sometimes we don't actually consider the numerous people who are cutting off because they either cannot afford to buy a proper machine with the, with the specs that they need for a particular training or to do a particular uh, course or to do a particular app because of maybe it requires the, the laptop to have specific uh, uh, specifications for functionalities. Um, so yeah. I'm yet to really look into that. I know, like for the likes of the tourist industry, um, my partner was actually telling me yesterday to say that they've allowed them to start uh, buying uh, safari cars with no tax, and they've given them a period of time where they can do that to to increase tourism. So I, I, I haven't yet really touched a bit on. Of- I hope they have done something about ours where we can easily buy the tools and devices that we need then to to move forward. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's interesting to note. Um, what 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 about you, uh, Pendo? Uh, what what is your what are your thoughts on first of all the new Ministry of Science and Technology, and then in relation to the budget?
5: Uh, well. I think um I share the same sentiments as uh Cynthia. Uh I haven't on the technology side, uh, what has been really allocated in terms of budget, I haven't really had um, a chance to uncover that. But uh, I think the ministry is a very good, has it has is actually something that's very progressive. And some of the things that I'm looking actually forward to is um setting up. Uh, maybe, you know, like we already have innovation hubs like Bongo Hive uh, that I think has been doing very amazing work for the community and uh, beyond, um, like communities beyond boundaries. Um, and I'd also like to see more of data centricity in how um, we operate as um, uh, as, uh, as as a country. Um, and by that is first by how do we Can we have a proper data center? Can we have proper data collection? And how can we have access to that data um, as Data scientists as um, builders in the in the um, industry because at the end of the day, that's what governs innovation. I think at this point is that's what governs certain decisions and also for uh, data scientists uh, building different um, innovating in that space. Um, we keep using data that's foreign to Zambia, and uh, if we try to look, if you go to any uh, government office or if you, go, I think there's there's no lineage in which um, you can actually have access to that data, and I think at this point data has been like data is the new gold the new oil so if we're not actually making news and not investing heavily in how we collect our data how we govern our data I think then we're going to be way years behind in as much as we are making progressive um making progress in other areas so I think for me I'm really looking forward to what uh, this entails for um, the area of investing in and obsessing in um, how we use our data. And I think another second thing would also be inclusivity in terms of uh, gender. I think this is something that, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm always uh, passionate passionately speaking about how do we um, reduce that margin, that gender gap? I think from the UN SDGs, um, uh, by 2030, we should have uh, equal women, uh, we should narrow the gap between um, narrow the gap for women and uh, men within the same field? Well, that's not something that, of course, it's something that has to be done progressively, but what are we actively doing uh, to ensure that in the next 10 years, the next 30 years, next 50 years, we do not have same conversations of um, lack of diversity in uh, the field of technology due to reasons that I think have been um, alluded to in many uh, cases. And um, But then how do we, have the, from our Zambian point of view, have we done any research in why we have that gap or are we still just using the um, the overall blanket uh, perspective of diversity, you know, we need to empower more women in tech, but then what is it on the ground as Zambia? What are we doing to ensure that that gap is narrowed? From? I'm hoping with the new ministry, those initiatives we have um, uh, within that ministry, we have initiatives that will, um, focus on research and also focus on narrowing down that gap. And um, I think the last thing that I'll look at is also now um, policies, I think, um, was um, policies. I think we have uh, different associations that are governing the ICT, uh, the technology um, ICT area in Zambia but then I think the focus has always been on the co- people that are working in the corporate spaces but there's no focus um, around people that are doing freelance and there's no focus around people that are building innovating for themselves so uh, hopefully with the SME ministry of SME but I feel like even the ministry of technology should have its own uh should embody um uh that for um progression in how we all operate as one and be connected, and not be disconnected, because you're not working for a corporate organization. Um, you do not have to be included in uh, policies or uh, be uh, enjoy certain uh, um, fundamentals that the policies have set. So I'm really looking forward to see what um, what this entails, and hopefully um, we can have open spaces where we can um, continue speaking and alluding to these to these uh, matters.
0: Yeah, and you, you mentioned some very key points. In my opinion, I think uh, one thing that I the one thing I really like that I picked out from what you just said is, what are we doing individually? What are we do? What are you doing as a person, right? In your capacity, in whatever reach that you have, what are you doing to make sure that the person next to you either learns about tech, knows about tech, uh, has the resources to do what they want to do? What are you doing to reduce the, the the gender gap? What are you doing to also reduce the gender pay gap? Do you run a business, and how are you paying people the same based on skills? You know things like that, and I I very much agree with you. This is uh, a very progressive move, and I feel like if done correctly, and uh, um, uh, the resources are allocated the way they should be, I think we should see some improvement in the next two to three years in our industry as well. Uh, Yassine.
4: Okay, so from my end, I've got uh, quite a number of uh, issues that I want to bring out. I think the first thing is uh, these communities that we're talking about. Um, I think most most of this work that we're doing is just uh, more of, you know... uh, um, uh, I think none of us gets paid to do uh, the work that we do. So I can just decide tomorrow to stop what I'm doing and then what happens to, to, to the community. Uh, so I think uh, we need to begin also thinking about sustainability. How can we sustain uh, these communities? Uh, how can these communities be kind of mainstreamed, you know? Um, uh, the ministry also. How can it begin? You know, working with these communities so that then these communities feel um, feel uh, like you know the government cares. You know. Uh, I think that's one thing we need to look at. And then secondly, when when we said, or when I heard about the Ministry of Health, of uh, at ICT, basically, um, my thinking was uh, we'll have a building like, you know, the way this, uh, uh, this is it stand, a standard chartered bank uh, building that we have? That new building that, uh, that is uh, close to that roundabout there.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. So a situation where we've got a building like that one and uh, we've got innovation labs there. The, uh, the minister's office is there. And not a situation where the minister has got um, an office somewhere and we don't have innovation labs. Of course, Pendo spoke about. Uh, 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 Incubators like Bonghai, but then that's more like a private thing, and it's not just anybody that can go there. You know, uh, let the ministry come up with some sort of like uh, uh. uh a, a lab where everybody, anybody that feels like they've got innovation or whatever, they can go there and then prove themselves. The minister, first thing that he does when he comes, he sees people, you know, working on different things. So you could have the lab on the first floor. Second floor, there's the Ministry of uh, Innovation. Or it's Ministry of uh, SMEs. So obviously you've got this innovation. Because one thing that I've seen, or I've noticed, yes, people come up with this, all these innovations, but then it's difficult for them to monetize them, and that's how they get to complain about, oh no, there's no funding, there's no this, 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 all that. So you've got that uh, innovation lab where they're supported in terms of like, okay, whatever ideas that they want to work on. Then there's that ministry that supports. Because mostly uh, innovations of these days or SMEs mostly are uh, making use of technology. Because that's where I think there's there's there's, there's a niche. So uh, can we begin working on that? And then coming to the budget, you know, uh, for me I'd even mentioned it earlier. You know, I uh, my anticipation was there was going to be a, a component of research. Because remember. Um, why the University of Zambia is considered to be maybe the best university of uh, best university in Zambia, it's, it's, it's the amount of research that uh, it produces. You know, for, for as long as the university does not produce uh, research, then it cannot compete with other top universities. So it's the same, you know, here, um, I'll, I'll keep talking about research, research, because I think that's what is going to separate us or put us on the map You know, uh, if we were to focus on research, because once we focus on research, then we'll be coming up with uh, new things, innovative things. People would want to make use of what we are doing. But not just that. Um... uh, if, if BEMBA is only spoken here in Zambia, if we <laughs> Zambians do not come up with a BEMBA data set, who's going to come up with data set? So we need to begin thinking in those lines where we need to begin owning that technology, but that can begin, that can only happen through research. And if you look at the budget, there was, that component was missing, the component of research. So, well, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to understand what the ministry is going to be doing in terms of, uh, besides policy, but in terms of like promoting the industry, what is it going to be doing? And remember, uh, you know, ICT is is changing on a daily basis. So yes, we can come up with policies today, but you find that tomorrow they're obsolete. So the focus should not be very much on, I think we should Uh, we should adopt an agile way of, you know, coming up with these policies because I think they'll be changing with time especially with these emerging technologies because uh, they're still evolving, you know, or like on a daily basis, there's something new that's coming up. So it's like we have to come up with a new policy. Uh, every day so that aspect of research and it should have been housed in uh, uh of course there's that national science and what what which is there which uh, i think does the research but then even the ministry itself i think it was supposed to be doing that so that then it makes itself uh relevant uh, so that's, I think that's where I think I was not happy with the budget, but then like what Stinger spoke about where, okay, uh, things that we might need, uh, maybe in terms of laptops and the likes so where we're able to import at less duty or maybe duty free. uh, that's, that's good in terms of, you know, promoting technology. And now that, you know, i mentioned this earlier, um, uh uh, Uh, there's this remote working, you know. um, I know a number of developers these days, you know, uh, are connected to uh, uh, industries outside Zambia. Um, That, I think, has been ignored by the ministry. How can the ministry also tap into that? Sit these people down and ask them, how can they, uh, what's this? uh be, how can these people be helped just to ensure that, you know, um, they're able to do whatever transactions seamlessly, you know, uh, I know there's been issues to do with, uh, payments, for instance. I don't know, there was that petition, uh, for people some time back. I don't know if, uh, uh, if it's, if that has been resolved. So in terms of like somebody making payments from outside Zambia, that shouldn't be, uh, a problem and something that the ministry should, you know, uh, if there is a problem, try to address as quick as possible because you want, uh, you know, because I talk about job creation and, you know, developers have been, you know, innovative enough to tap into markets outside the, the, the country and they're bringing revenue in the country because if somebody is getting, let's say, uh thirty thousand, forty thousand uh, 40000 Zambian kwacha, they'll spend that 30000 here in Zambia, which is, you know, uh, a plus to the Zambian economy. So uh, that market also, I think... Uh, Attention has to be uh, uh, given to that market, I think. So, in conclusion, these have been, uh, I think, my my submissions. Uh, but mostly, uh, the community is doing uh, the grassroots work. Uh, the ministry has to find ways in which it can work with these communities. The communities they should feel like, okay, the ministry cares, um, and then there should be sustainable ways of, you know, uh, cook. Um, uh, supporting uh, these communities. So that then even if you look at the deep learning in DIA for instance, it's a community that survives on uh, outside funding. So if th- those guys do not send uh, resources, then you cannot have a, a deep learning in DIA for instance. But do we want that to be the case? Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think it is, uh, we don't have so many events that, you know, uh, talk about issues to do with AI and the likes. Uh, Every year, so uh, that kind of arrangement—it's something that should be sustained. But then, uh, chances of sustaining it if we're only depending on resources that are outside the country uh, becomes it becomes questionable. And then, uh, if you ask people to pay again, (laughs) they don't want to attend because well, they've not really appreciated the value of uh, of of these communities. So. we just need to find ways in which uh, these communities, because they're playing a great role. Uh, even myself, for instance, I've benefited from the Facebook developer cycle. So many people have, have, have benefited. You know, uh, people maybe only used to code in Visual Basic, but then because of Facebook developer cycle, they got to learn about React. Because they knew about React, they've, they've managed to secure themselves uh, employment, even outside the country. So that's something that we don't want it to just die natural death. It's something that we want it, uh, want to be sustained, but then how is that thing going to be sustained? I think we need to be, we need to come up with, uh, a framework. in which uh, communities can begin, you know, can be sustained, can be, um, uh, self-sufficient, not just be depending on foreign resources, but then, uh, Depend on local resources but also it should not just be a one-man show but it should be a collective of uh, it should be a collection of people or it should be managed collectively by people so that then in in, in the event that this person is not around um there are other people to take over and then uh we can drive these communities forward so i think those were my submissions thanks very much
0: okay uh, that, that that was a lot a uh, lot to take in, uh, and I'm happy that we had this discussion. Uh, I think it's super important that we begin to... Because we we have... I, th- I think, Cynthia, we've had this uh, topic every year. Uh, usually we do it around January, but this time we've done it towards the end of the year. We try to assess the state of the community on a yearly basis. I guess for us, it's more or less just tapping into what's happening and seeing if we're actually growing. Uh, but it's it, it's it's always nice to hear... Uh, the different impact that's happening. I hope you could hear me. I actually moved my mic very far away from me. But anyway, um, I guess now we have to conclude. Cynthia, do you have anything you'd like to add on top of what everybody has said?
1: I'm just glad that we've had this conversation because I think there are some aspects that I didn't, I personally, to be honest, didn't maybe even think about, in terms of like some of the challenges our own people are facing. And as I was listening to everyone, I think because I've sort of in in the recent um, year or two, I've moved mostly into research. And as much as I am developing, but I'm not developing as much as in the past. I- and uh, uh, you know, I was just looking at it in the research bit, which Yasin has touched on. Like maybe we we're not doing enough research, but not enough research in terms of what systems to build and whatnot. But why not switch it up to doing research on our own people? Like what are the needs of our people, right? Like what what, what are the gaps? that are there, that, do they have suggestions on how we can help them? Um, also looking at how how do we partner with, with, with the ministries, because uh, recently I know uh, one of the other community leads was supposed to join us, but unfortunately she was busy, Regina. She mentioned uh, the new Ministry of uh, Science and Technology reached out to her asking for names of community leads. And we're yet to know exactly what their plans are, but I'm hoping they will call us to some sort of, you know, sit down where they they hear all these challenges that we've mentioned here on this, on this episode, right? So that then they can also engage us. If, if they are feeling overwhelmed or they, they don't have the actual insights from the ground level going up in terms of what is happening, what are the challenges, what are the gaps, what are the hiccups, what, what are we crying for, right? So I'm, I'm hoping that will happen. And it it isn't just a matter of collecting our names and and it ends there. So yeah, it's it's quite interesting to hear from the different perspectives, like what uh, what we, we are looking at, what the current state is. And I like the fact that Pendo also mentioned on data. I'm also, I have had challenges uh, getting data. There are times when I want to do some sort of research or even just an application, and it needs to be you know leveraging on certain data, and it's quite difficult to get our own local data and I end up going on sites there because now there are several sites that offer uh, data sets and data models and then I end up using those. But then there are times I want to use my own local data, right, so that I get more insights from that data because it's more closer to home than the one that is out there. So I hope there will be some change in terms of how one gets access to this data. We understand that some might include sensitive information, but that's why we do data filtering. You actually filter out the most sensitive information and you leave out something that one can then look into and utilize. Yeah.
0: Uh, And I think from my end, I'd I'd really like to get back to physical meetings because uh, just like Tenda mentioned, uh, I thrive on physical meetings. I like that human connection. I like that human interaction. And for the podcast, that's a good thing because we We enjoy it when we're in physical spaces and we get to talk to people. It gives us a bit more insight in how we can improve as a podcast. It also gives us a lot of content and material that we can use. So uh, I think I'd like everybody to invite me to their meetups whenever they can. Uh, I may not be an expert in your in your in in your area of um, concern. But still, would like to, we're very curious, we'd like to know what's happening, we'd like to talk to as many people as possible. So please don't forget to invite us. Uh, and I, we've come to the end of our recording today. Uh, thank you very much to everybody that pitched in. Thank you for making time. I know we've been on a call for quite a long time now. Thank you for uh, sparing time. I know how hard it is to find time as we, as as, as, as as we step into this area, or as we step into this age of our lives, it's very, very difficult. So we appreciate you making time. And I hope that we will get to speak again soon. We have the same challenge that uh, Yasin was referring to, I would definitely like to see new guests on the show. Sometimes you find uh, most of the guests that have been on the show before still come on, and I guess this ties into what Yassine was referring to. But I'm very happy for the first time to talk to uh, Jared, Joshua, and Pendle on the show for the very first time. So thank you for coming on and uh, trusting us with your opinion. And uh, we hope that we'll meet in a physical space and get your opinion uh, on what you think about the show and how you'd like us to improve. Cynthia? do you have any uh, final words? Or were um, those yeah, your final words?
1: No, <laughs> you, you asked me to give in my opinions. Those were my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, in terms of last words, well, i was, I would just like to thank our guests for for coming through and creating this time and and sharing with us from from you know their own experiences and the communities they are part of or are leading uh, on the current state of our ecosystem. And like Mukuma said, um, we are open to coming to some of the meetups, not necessarily as speakers, even just as as you know, part of the crowd or part of the attendees, so that we, we, you know, we just meet because we are trying to expand our network, which would feed into us capturing new speakers to come and speak on this episode so that we, we don't miss out on any area in our ecosystem and we, we cover as much as uh, possible. And yeah, so excited for the rest of the episodes and to hear more on what is happening and engaging with you guys.
0: Okay, so guys, in like 10 seconds or less, uh, just let all our listeners know where they can find you uh, on the internet or in a physical space, and I will go in this particular order. Pendo first, less than 10 seconds. Is Pendo still with us?
5: Sorry, I didn't get the question. I had a network pickup.
0: Yeah. So I'm saying in less than ten seconds, uh, just let everybody know who's listening, where they can find you, uh, whether it's on the internet or in a physical space. Uh, ten seconds starts now. Go.
5: So you can find me on Twitter, Pendo Manjale, Facebook, LinkedIn. Yes, those three uh, virtual spaces.
0: Okay, great, Yassin. Ten seconds. Go.
4: Okay, so you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, Yasin Musayami. Uh, for the Zambia and AI community, uh, we're using the Zambia AI community as um, our Facebook page name. And then uh, we're also on WhatsApp. That's where we share most of the content and uh, stuff related to the community. Physical space, you can find us uh, along Bulwe Road, uh, for, plot 4775, it's just uh, close
2: to Woodlands B-School. Thanks. Uh, Gerald. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter, uh, Gerald Mawashe and our communities Oscar Osaka on Twitter as well. Nice. Uh, Joshua.
3: I uh, bet you can hear me. Uh, as for myself, you can find me on the internet. Uh, besides that, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, GitHub, and on Medium. So I rarely use Facebook. And not that I'm trying to shame people say, no, don't use Facebook, but uh, mostly I get to interact a lot on Twitter and on GitHub or any of them on media. So yeah, you can get to find me there and you can get to share your thoughts.
0: Okay, great. Um, so we're called KZM on all our social media platforms. If you are looking to give us feedback on this episode, uh, you can reach out to us on any one of those. If you want to speak to us about something specific, feel free to reach out to us. Our email is on our bio. Um, we are very open and we embrace everybody. Uh, I'm Sourbones on all my platforms. And Cynthia, have you changed your username anytime time recently before I say the wrong one?
1: <laughs> no, so I'm still Python Karisi on Twitter. I'm still Cynthia Mlinga on LinkedIn, Cynthia Mlinger on Facebook, and Cynthia Mlinger on Medium.
0: <laughs> okay, great. Uh, we'll share most of this information in our, in our show notes anyway. So thank you for getting to the end, and we hope to catch you in the next episode. Thank you, guys. Bye.